Life happens weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. And of course, we are talking about Aquarium Month. And joining us in studio is the curator at the Johannesburg Zoo, Ian Duplessis. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me here. So... You know, Africa lays claim to the earliest records, recorded zoos and strays back to Egypt about 5,500 years ago. Do we still need zoos? Definitely. Zoos play such an important role in the environment because we concentrate on conservation, that we're responsible for taking care of our natural resources, as well as for that families and the school groups that also want that educational part of it, just that bit of, little bit of relaxation. Mm-hmm. So zoos still plays an absolute, such an important role in our communities. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I actually interviewed somebody from um, the Joburg Zoo who actually said that the organization is misunderstood and that their assumptions that all that zoos do is keep animals in a cage. But your work goes beyond that. Definitely. There's so many other aspects that's evolving around zoos and that zoos are part of. For instance, people think to keep animals in a zoo, you just come, you see the animals and you go home. It's absolutely not the case. There's a lot of endangered species that we house in the zoo breed for insurance population securities. One of the projects, for instance, is the Pickersgill reed frog. That's an endangered species and endemic to South Africa that you'll find nowhere else around the world. And in the zoo, we actually bred them and we successfully released them back in KwaZulu-Natal, where they occur, to ensure that this species is also to be living in natural life and our generations that will follow us also to enjoy. Animals is also playing an important role, not only for the education part, but also to ensure that the ecosystem and the food chain is all in balance. All of us in this world rely on the resources to survive. So zoos also do a lot of research to allow us to understand these animals better. And also zoos also concentrate on the, the plant aspect. When, when you come to a zoo, you will see that it's not an animal in a concrete floor and bars. Mm. We try to make it as natural as possible for the animal as well. It must feel like he's in his natural environment. Because think for yourself, if you come to an enclosure, mm. we all call these, it's not cages, it's enclosures. Enclosures, yes. It basically looks natural. So you not only see the animal, you can actually relate what does it look like where they occur. Specifically if it's animals from other countries. So the school syllabus is forming part of this, the biology specifically, and then the veterinarian part also. New vets can come and they can also then learn and get some experience to make sure that they can also bring their part to assist with conservation. That's why the zoo is is so important with birds and mammals and fish and aquariums overall. We're all joining forces, but we're also part of a bigger picture in Africa, it's called the PASA, the Pan-African Zoo and Aquari- uh, um, uh, uh, Aquarium Association. And in the world, is the World Association of Zoos and Aquaria. Mm-hmm. But with very, very strict standards that we have to comply for and rules. And then above that is also the National Act and the, and the bylaws that's coming. So to maintain a zoo, it's not an easy thing. That's mm-hmm. why we always strive to ensure we give the best care to our visitors and to our animals that's in our care. I must confess, the last time I went to a zoo was on a school trip. <laughs> it was in primary school. That was, that was around the 90s. How have zoos evolved through the years? It's a very good question. First of all, it's time for you to visit the zoo again. I think so. <laughs> From the old time, the zoo's Johannesburg Zoo is 115 years old this year. Wow. So it's a great achievement for us to go through this. And like I just mentioned, the enclosures have changed to become more natural, 
much bigger in size. We have specialists in the zoo concentrating on animal behavior, on-site vets, on-site um, basically keepers that interact and ensure that these animals are being taken care of with the best quality. And also we got nutritionists working out the correct food and diets for each and every specimen. Not only that's a lion or an elephant or a fish or a snake, but each and every one's specific needs. So there's a lot of science behind just basically coming to look at the zoo. A lot is happening behind the scenes to ensure this is happening. Students from various universities around the world also get the opportunity to come and learn and see how what is the good way and the good practices to ensure that these animals survive so that next generations can also come and see them. And also it allows us just to come to the zoo, relax, spend a day and just be with the family as well. Just for our listeners, let me get you in. We're talking about zoos and aquariums. It is Aquarium Month. If you've been to a zoo lately, please do share your experiences with us on 0891-104-207, also 061-410-4107. Or if you're planning to take your kids to the zoo and you want to find out what programs are there, please do give us a call. And Ian is here to answer all of your questions. Has it been difficult for zoos um, to um, get over this or to explain the stigma of enclosures? Um, because, you know, you've got you had a lot of environmental activists actually talking about this. Has it been difficult to try and, you know, uh, dispel that that stigma? You know what, if people visit the zoos, they will see what hard work is going into zoos around the world. Not only one specific zoo. All the zoos that's part of these organizations are, like I mentioned previously, are very strict on the specific rules and regulations and the national act. So we are getting controlled by numerous different departments, internationally and nationally. And we have to maintain that standards. And that is what we strive to, because we also have to take pride to say, Guys, we're taking care of these animals. Please come and see, learn and see how we take care of these animals so that they can also experience, specifically the school groups. But there's also activities, various other activities, like for instance, specific tours. There's the um, sleepover tours. There's normal day tours. There's activities for kids when the parents sit in the restaurant. There's, there's, there's like chess at the Joburg Zoo, for instance. Also to stimulate other activities. But all the senses in one place. So it's not only to come, like I mentioned previously, look at the animals and go home. Yes, we are definitely. there to also to educate and to have people going home fulfilled and also have a day full of enjoyment that they did. But yes, it is difficult to, to, to sometimes, we're not there to convince people, mm-hmm. we're there to show them yeah. what is the way then how hard we work to ensure that we are a professional institution and organization around the world and that we definitely have to keep on building and and better ourselves in taking care of these um, animals. And what is the state of our zoos as compared to zoos around the continent, around the world? All right. We also need to understand that in South Africa, there's only a handful of big zoos. Mm -hmm. In America, there's hundreds. European zoos is also in high numbers. So they also have a large visitor numbers coming through. The Joburg Zoo, we don't compete with that and visit the numbers of them, but we cater for all our audiences around. Our dyke people are staying around and also people coming from far, especially the international visitors as well. So in that basis, we're all looking at a specific standard, irrelevant if you're in America, if you're in Europe, Australia or South Africa. Mm -hmm. The standards under the World Association of Zoos and Aquaria is the same for all zoos. Mm -hmm. It means that the standard that we have to obey to and, and achieve 
achieve and to, to, to sustain is all the same. And it's a very, very high standard that we are proud to say that the Johannesburg Zoo is a member of WAZA. All right, let's take a break. We're talking about zoos as it, and aquariums as well. It is Aquarium Month, and we are learning more about zoos and also the activities that are there for families and, and children and individuals like me who have not been to the zoo in a very long time. So let's take a break, and we'll talk more about this. Life Happens, weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. Yen Duplessis, curator at the Joburg Zoo, is still with us in studio. And we're learning more about zoos and the programs that are there at the Joburg Zoo as well. So you deal with reptiles and amphibians. And remind us what amphibians are. It's a very good question. And the Herpetofauna group is actually very interesting. It's, it's automatically all the reptiles, the tortoises, the snakes, the crocodiles, and the tortoises. And on the amphibian sites, all are frogs and toads and newts that sometimes people misunderstand or sometimes are just scared and say, oh, that's a frog and it's slimy, I don't want to touch it. But they play an important role. And that's where our education site mm-hmm. also come in. Okay. And how many um, species in these groups do you have at the zoo? In the amphibian group? In the amphibian and the reptile group. All right. Currently in the Johannesburg Zoo, I'm just going to start off by saying there's a network of zoos and governmental conservation um, provincial departments working together. But we're housing the zoo probably in around about 50 species of reptiles from various parts of the world. And amphibians, I mentioned the Pickersgill reed frog. That's a key project for the research to ensure the survival of the species. And then from South America, we also got about six other species. And throughout the Southern African region, another three species. And we are planning to improve or increase that number. Hmm. And when an animal is kind of reaching the stage of extinction, how many are we talking? How do we define that? There's a difference between in situ and ex situ. The in situ is basically where the people that's working in the field with the animals are doing certain evaluations and monitoring. And then the zoos is known as the ex situ element. We work together. So when the... um, monitoring takes place and they realize there's a decline due to various reasons if it's habitat loss disease risk climate change um, then they basically will list it under the IUCN or the endangered species list and then the zoos will basically then be contacted as well and said can we join forces can we look at bringing this species to create the insurance population within the zoo that's a captive breeding facility that automatically will concentrate on the health of the animal the genetics of the animal with the hope to release them back into the natural habitat so it's basically coming from a whole international um, panel where they will assist this um, status of the animal mm-hmm. and declare it as endangered, least concerned or critically concerned that we don't really want to see any animal at the moment mm-hmm. at. I mean, I've been to the um, VNA um, aquarium um, and I've just seen how much of a tourist attraction that is. And do, do they also add in terms of, you know, a tourist attractions here in the country and the different species that we have? Definitely. There's a number of aquariums in South Africa um, that we're also working together, as mm-hmm. I said. But aquariums is definitely something that people always want to go and see. Yeah. Especially in the Johannesburg Zoo, we got a new facility called the Amazon Temple, where there's a tunnel that you walk underwater and the fish swims above and around you. And people will stay that. there for quite a while, just wow. enjoying this calmness of the water and the colorful fish swimming around. 
And people enjoy to see these creatures that they're actually unfamiliar with that's mm-hmm. underwater because you get some very interesting stuff that's in water. Sure, sure. And, uh, of course, uh, a lot of your visitors, we said, are, of course, children. Mm. Tell us about, first of all, your everyday activities for them. And I also want to find out about the activities that you have for families and kids during the school holidays. The education department and the marketing department in the zoo is hosting a number of different activities. We're trying to host various um, activities for different age groups, not only for the kids, Mm -hmm. but for scientists, for family groups, even if there's functions. So we have numerous function venues in the zoo for India functions, board member functions. And then for the kids, there's school groups that we allow in. We also assist with certain schools to then come and visit the, the, the zoo especially when they sometimes struggle for the kids to come and see them. There's also the volunteer group where kids then can come and volunteer and work in specific programs, learning how we do enrichment. And that's an interesting part. It's how we create a specific program to enrich animals to promote natural behavior. Mm. And these kids will help us to build certain structures or design stuff and also just general cleaning and feeding as well Mm. under very strict control and safety. And then for the families the night tours, the day tours. There's also special events where they can assist, like the zoo trot. And then on certain weekends, in the very early in the morning, you stand up, you're ready to jog, and through the zoo, there's this run. And then, except for getting fit, you can actually see and experience animals very early in the morning, where that money will then go back into the zoo to assist with the upgrade of enclosures and maintaining the high standards. Mm. Of course, there's also like different events like the Mother Day concert that was hosted in May mm-hmm. where people then can come and then enjoy the day mm-hmm. under controlled with uh, jazz concerts or other mus- musicians that's actually mm-hmm. in the zoo. So th- just keep an eye on the zoo's page mm-hmm. and you'll definitely see what's up. Okay, just uh, we have a voice note before I ask you the last question. Let's take a listen. Hey, SFM, it's Brett here from Cape Town. For me, a zoo is nothing more than a prison. It's nothing more than a place where animals have been trafficked to. It's nothing more than a place of pain and suffering. And it really is by psychopaths. Because can you imagine something the size of an elephant which would normally roam several kilometers a day, maybe even hundreds. And then you'll find that animal caged up in a small little cage for the rest of its life unless it is rescued but all right let's let's start them from because ian missed um you know the first part of that it's a bit of a controversial one but i mean those um conversations are raging on all right let's play it again hey sfm it's brett here from cape town for me a zoo is nothing more than a prison it's nothing more than a place where animals have been trafficked to it's nothing more than a place of pain and suffering and it really is by psychopaths because can you imagine something the size of an elephant which would normally roam several kilometers a day maybe even hundreds and then you'll find that animal caged up in a small little cage for the rest of its life unless it is rescued but immediately you know the objective should be rehabilitation and return you know and the very same thing happened with us as people you know when the westerners came here and they didn't understand us what did they do they caged our people look at what they did to our uh, sister saki bartman you know i believe that zoos should be done away with i think that virtual reality has become a reality as well sorry excuse the pun but let's make a use of technology 
to view these animals. And there are several programs now that you can actually watch on television where you are taken directly into the wild, where these animals can free roam like God, uh, roam freely like God intended. You know, not the pain and suffering that we are subjecting them to. It is, it is sick to think about it. Some tough words there, Ian. What do you have to say in response to that? It's interesting because basically what we need to understand and also remember is that a lot of habitat is going, we're actually losing a lot of ground and natural resources, specifically in nature reserves. And if you look at, at what's happening with the high level of pollution, specifically in the oceans with the plastic and especially on land where land is basically being developed into estates, there's a lot of loss of land where these animals can't. So Zeus is definitely becoming a safe haven for some of these animals. And some animals cannot be rehabilitated back into, into the natural habitat. And this is where Zeus comes in to assist with the genetic security and insurance so that we can actually breed and put them back. So basically we need to understand that zoos is working hand on hand with the guys in the field that basically monitor these elements and then we all basically are part of the conservation assisting for the survival of these um, species that's why i said previously it is very important for us to ensure that the social structure of these animals the size of the enclosure according and specified by the act is basically obtained and provided to these animals with enrichment programs that stimulate the natural behavior of these animals Okay. Ian Duplessis, curator at Joburg Zoo, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, for more details, I guess people can go onto the Joburg Zoo website. We slightly need uh, for the headlines. Askis, uh, can you still have my